Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to our relationship hour tonight. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about ADHD, adult ADHD, and your relationship, its impact on your relationship, how you could recognize some of the signs. And it's possible that if you're having trouble in your relationship that um, your partner may have ADHD. It's uh, it's one, unfortunately, commonly seen um, situation in, in therapist's offices. So I will uh, we'll talk about that in greater detail coming up. And of course, you're uh, always welcome to chime in and let me know uh, what you think about uh, what we're talking about. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. And some of you choose to email me, and that's always great. You can do that to laurie at drlaurie.com as well. So here's uh, the first question. I am 21, and I have a psychological problem with keeping an erection. To start at the beginning, I was a late bloomer. Although I am generally above average on looks, at the age of 17, with my then-girlfriend, we were about to have sex, and I had no idea on what to do in bed, so I thought I should visit a, quote, specialist first in order to learn the ropes. I'm assuming sex worker. It was a disaster. I didn't really want to be there. She wasn't my type, and I had difficulty keeping an erection. A few days after that, in our first attempt with my girlfriend, due to anxiety and fear of the idea of not getting an erection, it happened again. I was so ashamed that I broke up with her. Same thing happened once again, and I broke up with another girl. So now I'm 21, still haven't had sex, although I had like first base situations with over 30 girls, and I can most of the time win the girl I want. I am afraid and ashamed of not getting an erection and pleasing them the time and it's the only thing I am thinking at the moment. Help. Oof, it breaks my heart when I uh, hear people, young people, with such suffering because to me that this, this young man is absolutely suffering from a severe um, performance anxiety. And I want to reassure you that you are not alone in this. Many, many, many men experience uh, anxiety, especially the first time, uh, sometimes the first time with a new uh, with a new partner, and oftentimes with somebody that they actually care about, like a, a, somebody that is a, a like long term or a potential for long term, and not so much casual. So this is normal, okay? Normal. Um, if you establish a relationship with somebody, here's the thing: is how you you overcome this. You overcome this with time and with feeling safe and secure in a relationship. But in order to feel safe and secure in a relationship, you have to develop the intimacy part of that relationship first. You have to get to know the person. You have to be able to have conversations with the person about your your fears. It's okay to talk about saying, "Look, I'm, you know, the first time may not work. I get really worked up and I get really anxious and so it may take me a little bit longer or it may take me time or it may not happen the first time around." Women will understand this if you speak about it because uh, if you don't say anything, then they may question themselves and say, is it me? Are you not turned on enough? Uh, uh, Are you not turned on by me enough? 
so they start to question themselves. So if you put it out there, then you will find that the majority of women will be, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. It's okay. We'll go slow. No problem. The other thing is if you spend more time, like when you're with somebody for the first time or anybody for that matter, spend time on pleasuring them. Understand that women need a lot of foreplay. They need a lot of clitoral stimulation. So get good at using your hands and your mouth on her, uh, rather than worrying so much about your erection and the intercourse part of it. All that preliminary stuff, the, you know, first base, second base, all of those are far more important than the intercourse part of it. But, and I can tell you that having worked with a lot of men with performance anxiety, 100% of the time this goes away. It goes away once they understand that they need to be in a relationship first where there is this feeling of safety in that relationship, where they can be themselves, where they can talk about their fears, where they have developed uh, some intimacy. As one texter puts it, this young guy is simply trying too hard. He needs to put himself in a different place. If you can at least get semi-hard, put it in and stroke slow, it will come. So that's also a possibility, of course, but part of it is, and you seem to have a good understanding of the fact that once you start to worry about whether you're going to have uh, an erection or not have an erection, whether you're going to perform, not perform, disappoint, not disappoint, whatever it is, that creates anxiety. The anxiety um, puts you in your head, not in your body. Your mind goes into a fight or flight. Your body goes into a fight or flight response. The blood is drawn away from the penis and into your vital organs. This is your body's reaction to fear. And this is what you're dealing with. So trying to be in the moment, trying to focus on your sensations is the most important thing. But I still believe that if you get into a good relationship where you can talk to your partner, that's your best bet. And you will overcome it. You will. I promise you, you will if you put yourself in the right type of, uh, of relationships. Uh, let's see. Hi, Dr. Lori. My wife has had frequent yeast infections over the past 10 years. She keeps treating the infection. And then I realized why no one has treated me. I guess she treats it and I just keep giving it back to her. Shouldn't I get treated too? And, uh, and how sexually frustrated. Yes, you're right that you can be giving it back and forth. If you're having, um, unprotected sex, like without a condom, and she has a yeast infection, there's a good chance that you too develop a yeast infection, especially if you're uncircumcised, you're more likely to. So when she needs to get treated, you can treat with a topical, the same ointment that she uses, like a canestin or one of those other yeast antifungal medications. Uh, you can use it as well uh, to, to treat yourself. But pay attention. Are you experiencing any redness? Are you experiencing any symptoms uh, yourself, but just to be safe, it's something that you can do because it's true. Sometimes it can get passed on without you even, uh, realizing it. Another texter says for the 21 year old, I think if you're really lucky, you tell the partner about your concern and she says, it's okay, baby, I'll take good care of you. And I'm going to tell you if women want to call in or uh, text in and tell me how they would react to somebody telling you, look, I get nervous and it's not about you and 
this is me, I'm often in my head and blah, 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 then uh, I'm pretty sure the majority of women will say, don't worry about it. And especially if they really like you and they, uh, they see you as a relationship material, if it's not, obviously if it's just a one night stand, it's a very different kind of uh, scenario and you're not going to have that same feeling of safety necessarily or the opposite you won't care uh and so it might be easier but i think you're putting a lot a lot of pressure on uh on yourself for sure uh just a couple of follow-ups from last night we had somebody call in or somebody text in about a 30 year old didn't know where to go besides uh for dating besides apps and stuff and so a couple of people uh, chimed in and said that guy should join community theater Mostly women, very few straight men, plus it's super fun. That's an option right there. Uh, I also, another one said, I also recommend meetup.com. Once I dated an event organizer on there and I went with him on several occasions and met many interesting people. And some of them were, uh, who were interested in dating me until they found out I was dating the organizer. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Uh, Another texter says, I used to think that erection difficulties were just for older men, yet when masturbating and watching porn, they can be okay. It's sad that women think there's something wrong with them, when in reality, it could mean that the guy really likes the woman and is nervous, like the guy on the panel last night explained. And that's exactly, uh, you are 100% right about that. That's exactly it. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll talk about ADHD, adult ADHD, and your relationship. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. So tonight on our relationship hour, I wanted to talk about the impact of ADHD in your relationship. Do you have a partner who you suspect has ADHD? Now I'm saying suspect because oftentimes adults have not been diagnosed uh, because way back when uh, they didn't really pick up on this in schools like we do now, like early on. And I often get people in my practice who, um, I believe have ADHD and then I start, you know, probing a little bit and it turns out oftentimes that they have a child who has ADHD and then it all makes sense. So it is something that is, uh, seems to be genetic, um, and it can cause some serious problems in a relationship. But if you know what's going on, Uh, It makes a whole world of difference in terms of overcoming, treating, and um, creating a better, uh, a a healthier relationship. It's super important. Now, there's about 5% of the adult population that has ADHD. About 60% of kids with ADHD do become adults with ADHD. So it's not always that you carry it throughout. Oftentimes you find the, the, the skills and, and what have you to cope with a lot of it. So the symptoms are not so, um, so obvious, but less than 20% of adults have been diagnosed or even treated. And because the rates of divorce or splits are much higher, twice as high, actually, if a person has ADHD in the couple than someone who does not, uh, this is why they end up in therapist's office often, more often than couples where one doesn't. So at some point, 
in my practice, I started noticing uh, a pattern almost. I started looking for this a little bit more because it was, it was like one couple after another and started looking uh, more into this. And so for years now, I've been working a lot more with couples where one is, uh, has ADHD or also where they're on, uh, on the spectrum. So the autism spectrum disorders, which I'll do that on, on another show because there's some overlap, but I'll focus uh, on that at another time. But I'm curious, if you think your partner has ADHD or your partner has been diagnosed with ADHD, what has been the impact on uh, your relationship? Because oftentimes, unfortunately, it comes with a lot of, uh, a lot of other issues with a lot of dysfunctions in, in various, uh, various areas. Some of the symptoms that we see or some of the, the behaviors are things like, and you may recognize this maybe in yourself, anxiety, chronic boredom, forgetfulness, lateness, depression, difficulty uh, concentrating when reading. If you notice that you keep rereading the same paragraph over and over again, for example, Difficulty controlling anger, so getting overwhelmed and then kind of being more explosive. Um, procrastination. Uh, impulsivity is another one. Difficulty getting organized, which is a more obvious one. Uh, someone who has a, a low tolerance for uh, frustration. And addictions. And of course, in my practice, I do see quite a bit of addictions. So this is something that I look for when I see addictions, I start to dig to see if there's other, uh, symptoms that might indicate, uh, ADHD. So, and I often ask questions also about childhood and how they uh, coped in school and how they manage in their workplace and, and all of that to, to get to that. And by the way, there's some great online uh, adult ADHD tests. They're not, uh, it's not that they're diagnostic tools, but if, uh, there is a suspicion that this may be going on, you can actually go online and do, uh, just Google adult ADHD test, do it. You do it, have your partner do it as if it was you. I like to have both, uh, the both results of that actually, because sometimes ourselves, we kind of like, you know, it asks you a lot frequently or not so frequently or what have you. And sometimes the partner's perception of it is very different. So I asked both of them, uh, both people to do, to do the test. And what it gives you is a probability. Well, it gives you a number. And if it's very high, if the numbers are very high, then it's like, Oh, it, it most likely there is uh, some ADHD there and you should uh, seek out further, uh, further help for that. So it's a good place to, um, to start. Do you, are you the kind of person that, uh, has a lot of projects, but a lot of unfinished projects? Are you the kind of person that, uh, tends to procrastinate? Like, you know, you have a, these things to do, but you just don't never get around to it. A lot of that has to do with feeling overwhelmed with the amount of things that you have to do. Do you ever have uh, short-term memory lapses? Like, for example, your uh, your partner says, "Oh, honey, don't forget uh, tonight we we're going to so and so's party," and you say, "You never told me about that." Yes, of course I told you about that. I told you about this three times, actually. I even put it on the calendar. 
so there's that. Or do you ever tell your partner, honey, don't forget to go and buy, um, pick up some uh, milk, eggs, uh, juice, and uh, onions. And then they come back with one thing because they've forgotten the other three things. Um, and it's not that the person deliberately forgets when the person with ADHD, you're telling them, okay, don't forget to this, this, and that. They say, okay, that's only three things. Of course I'm going to remember. So I'm not going to write it down. Uh, and then they realize, oh, they get to the grocery store and they're like, uh, what is, what was that again? Right? So of course we all can get memory lapses, but it's a question of looking at the cluster of symptoms, uh, rather than one thing. Okay. Um, do you ever experience what we call tunnel vision? Tunnel vision is when you get involved in something, you are, uh, it's another word for it is hyper-focused. You are so focused in it. Think of it as you're playing a video game and nothing around you, there's nothing will distract you because it's like wearing blinders, like horses with blinders when you're so engrossed in something, which kind of sounds weird when you talk about an attention deficit, but when a person with ADHD or ADD does, uh, something they, they like and, and get engrossed in it, it's almost like nothing else seems to, uh, seems to matter. Uh, also it, with the same kind of tunnel vision, they may also have trouble, uh, stopping an activity, right? It's like, if you have a kid with ADHD, you'll know what I'm talking about when they're busy playing a video game and you say, okay, Johnny, it's uh, time for dinner. And you can't even get, get them away from what they're, uh, doing. Another part is impulse control. Some people have difficulty, uh, controlling their impulses, like with spending infidelity. So this is where we see, uh, what we, some people will call sex addiction, uh, speeding, things like that. And a general uh, sense of disorganization. They're disorganized in their home office. Their stuff is all over the place. They don't, they don't have a good classification system. Think of a filing cabinet with, with papers everywhere rather than organized into files. Uh, texter writes in, I have 30% of what you listed. Do not have any anger issues, trouble concentrating at times, problems reading, sometimes procrastinate, memory loss at times. Well, you may want to do the, the online test to see if there's some of these, uh, some of these things. There are also what we call comorbid disorders that come with ADHD. In other words, some other mental health issue and 80% of people who have ADHD or ADD, I'm saying ADD and interchangeably because oftentimes the ADHD, which is the attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, the hyperactive part is often seen in childhood and may disappear. That part may disappear, uh, later on as adults, but 80% have some, uh, mental health issue at some point, 50% will have an anxiety disorder. So again, when I see people who come into my office with anxiety, I check to see, is it possible that they uh, have ADHD because then the treatment is going to be different. Uh, do they have depression, bipolar disorder, some other mental health disorder? And we have to remember that ADHD symptoms also fall on a spectrum. So it's not the same, uh, for everybody. Um, another texter writes in at 514-800, my mom has ADHD, so I probably have it too, but I feel it isn't that 
that causes relationship breakdowns. It is my mood swings from generalized anxiety disorder that causes the problems. I was once diagnosed with borderline by my last psychiatrist indicated it is generalized anxiety. When you just read out the symptoms, I said yes to everything. And I'm surprised because I never thought that explosive anger would be part of ADHD, but that is a major problem I have. For forgetfulness, I have to write everything down. It helps. The tunnel vision also sounds like Asperger's. Seriously, everything you are explaining is seriously me. Well, uh, you know, your angry outbursts, for example, and your mood swings are going to have an impact on your relationship. Understanding where that comes from can make a huge difference in even in your relationships and for your partner to understand where that's coming from as well. So talking to somebody, talking to a professional who works in the field of ADHD is probably a really good idea for you, uh, actually, to see how you can better manage all of this and, and know where that comes from. But it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if you actually do, uh, you know, obviously I'm not going to diagnose somebody I've never met before, but considering that your mother has it and a lot of these uh, symptoms are something that you recognize in yourself, it's worth checking into. And the tunnel vision also, uh, like I said, with you said sounds like Asperger's, Asperger's and ADHD have quite a crossover in terms of some of the symptoms. So you'd be right. The difference between Asperger's and ADHD in many, many things is this in the social realm, in the ability to socialize and to, um, to communicate with others, like recognizing people's emotions and, and all of that stuff, uh, and social cues. That's far more difficult in people with Asperger's than in people with ADHD. They generally don't have that difficulty, uh, in, uh, with ADHD. Coming up, I want to talk about the emotional impact on the non-ADHD partner uh, to see all the kinds of things that they end up dealing with and some of the things that they tell me, the way they express the difficulties that come up. I'd love to hear from you. If you have been diagnosed or you suspect that you have ADD as an adult, um, how do you cope with it and what are some of the symptoms? And if you have never been diagnosed, is this something that you think you would look into or that has had an impact on your relationship? And I tell you, it's a good idea to, uh, to look into that. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion. CJD 800. On this week's Relationship Hour on Passion, we're talking about ADHD in adults, so or ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder, in the adult population. Why is it important to talk about this? It's because if you have ADD as an adult, you're twice, two times more likely to divorce than if you do not have ADD. So it has an impact on on relationships. And in my office, I would have to say that probably 60% of the couples that I see in my practice, actually one partner I end up diagnosing with, uh, with ADD, which sometimes they come in, they know they have it. Other times it's discovered through the process of, uh, of therapy and it helps. Therapy can really, really help in these, uh, in these situations. I can tell you that for sure. So I want to take a look at the emotional impact on the person who lives with an ADD partner and what their complaints are to me. 
Okay. Oftentimes they come in, they say they feel ignored. They feel lonely, unloved. They feel like they're dealing with another child in the house. They are angry because they feel they are forced to nag and they don't like the nagging. They don't like themselves when they nag. Uh, they're frustrated because their spouse has trouble focusing on the relationship, on the partner. They're fine. They can focus at work fine, but they have trouble focusing at home. Uh, they're stressed by the added responsibility and the lack of what they perceive as the lack of the partnership. They feel that they're doing, they're holding most of it. Uh, many times they come in feeling scared, exhausted, uh, depleted, uh, sometimes with, uh, sexual issues. That's the, sometimes the first thing that, that comes up or that leads them to me. Um, often, you know, saying like I, I they have lost desire, uh, for their partner. And part of that is because they have all these other things that I just uh, told you about. It's very hard to muster up desire for your partner when you feel like you're dealing with a child or you're constantly nagging at your, uh, at your partner. So we have to remember that. Uh, and some of the <clears throat> patterns in, that develop in these relationships are lots of misinterpretation, uh, destructive communication. There's what's interesting is there's often a hyper focus on the partner at the very beginning. So they put a lot, a lot of attention on the relationship at the beginning of the relationship, but this goes away. Um, there's a, sometimes some inequality in the, in the household. So one partner feels that they're doing way more than the other. Uh, another dynamic that tends to get established is you're, instead of a spouse, you, you feel like you're the parent. So you are parenting the spouse. Uh, there's walking on eggshells. Some partners say that they feel that they have to constantly walk on eggshells. There's a, uh, another pattern that is, it gets established is that if one partner is constantly nagging, the uh, ADD partner is withdrawing. So you can imagine the, uh, the split that ends up happening or the, the, um, the coldness that can, can arise in that or the disconnect, I should say, that can happen when, uh, when you fall into this kind of pattern. So, um, do we have a caller? All right, let me take, uh, who do we have on the line? Uh, we have Colleen on the line. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Dr. Lai. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, this is a, a very, uh, <laughs> I, I happen to be having a, a, a very bad bout these days, and so listening to this, I couldn't believe hearing you speak. I mean, I, everything that you've said, every description that you've given is absolutely 100% true, and the the sad thing is it's it's an everyday occurrence, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And yeah. and when you live in this total chaos all the time and it's just, it's so exhausting and, and yes. you can't figure out, you know, you're always blaming yourself and saying, asking yourself what's wrong with you. And um, I mean, I've, I've ended up divorced because of it. I've ended up, uh, mm. everything that you described, I've lived through and, and, you know, the relationships with my children, the, the things that, that you miss out on that, uh, I mean, I'm remarried, but, uh, I, I missed out on a whole lot of things that I was supposed to do for the wedding because of the chaos and just no matter how hard you try. I mean, I have timers and clocks over the entire house and mm -hmm. you can just never get things done. And, you know, you were talking about talking to um, someone who specializes in this. Well, the sad thing here is that 
no matter how desperate you are, um, it's over a year's wait to get into the Douglas to, to speak to a specialist in ADHD. Right, right. It's over six months at the CLSC. Um, so You're right. unless I'm, you yeah. can afford $150 an hour to see someone privately, you can't get help in, in, our, in our system. And the GPs are not qualified to help you, so it's 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 a real issue. There there isn't right. a lot of resources, and you're you're unfortunately, Colleen, you're right. I can't, you know, I, I don't work in the public sector. I work in the private sector. A lot of people that I see have private health insurance, so they come because their work provides them with private health insurance, which is obviously very helpful. GPs can help with medication. So if you go to them with, let's say, something that you did, did a test online, even though it's not an official diagnosis, and you tell them what your symptoms are, they sometimes will help by, by putting you on uh, certain medications, like the ADHD medications. That could, could actually help a lot, but you have to first uh, you know, come to your conclusion that this is what is going on. The other thing is there are some organizations, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Panda. Panda is an organization and they have uh, several um, uh, chapters, I believe, and they specialize in, uh, in ADHD. And I know because I give conferences to these groups. So it's something you might want to look at. So I don't have the exact uh, URL for it, but if you check, if you just Google Panda ADHD, you will find the groups in Montreal, and they're very helpful. They they offer support groups and uh, information sessions and all kinds of things, so you may be able to get help there. I'll look into that one. I was given chata by by the GP. The problem with the, the medication in GPs is that they can't tweak it, you know? Well, and... if, you, if, if there's a good GP, he'll follow up with you on a monthly basis to make yeah. sure and... and, and you know, check your symptoms and uh, check your side effects and, and see if it's helpful because they have to dose it. They start you off in the lowest dose and then they work their way up and see how you tolerate the medication, you know. But, yeah, this is a lifelong issue. I, I've dealt yeah, it's with, a lifelong so, issue. So, it's, um, yeah, because it's not something that, that is curable, you know. It's just something that you learn to it's manage. It's something that is manageable. Um, There's a really good book I could give you um, the reference to. It's called The ADHD Effect on Marriage. By Melissa Orlov. It's an amazing book. And it gives Orlov? you Orlov, O R L O V. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, it's very, very stressful on relationships. Oh, yes. Um, just before you took my call, like everything that you were saying, I mean, that's exactly the emotions that both partners go through because no matter how much you try, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's not controllable. I mean, it, it's something that is uh, a chemical. Yeah, it's a um, neurological. It's neurological, a it's a neurological, but, yeah. 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 So you can't you can't just, you know, wish it away. You can't just wish it away. I, I wish we could, but we can't just wish it away. But, uh, and as one texter wrote in, how brave of Colleen. The first step in getting help is admitting you have a problem. You sound like a stable woman. Hope your current husband is understanding. God bless you. So that's from a texter for you. <laughs> Colleen, I wish you all the best. And uh, look into those places. And if not, email me, and I will try and, and hook you up with, uh, I'll, I'll try and look for it myself for you, okay? Thank you very much. All right, my pleasure. You take care. 
514-800, if you have uh, any thoughts, if you have uh, are living the situation, like Colleen, she's living exactly what I'm uh, describing here. And you could be the female in the relationship with ADD, you could be the, the male, or you could be two men, whatever combination, whatever configuration your relationship is, doesn't matter, but one of you has ADD. When both in the partner, uh, both in the partnership have it, it could be a pretty chaotic household, I can tell you that. Um, but oftentimes I see more where there's one with and one without. So one who is neurotypical and one who is more neurodiverse, which is another, another way of saying it, like they don't have a neurotypical, uh, uh, brain, let's say. Uh, so, um, and that's when we start to see issues that, uh, that arise and they end up in, uh, and hopefully they end up in therapy and not in, in divorce. Unfortunately, like Colleen was saying, it's not so easy to get help. And so it may, it may end up breaking the relationship apart. So I want to share a, a couple of examples with you and I'll, uh, I'll do that in terms of the different types of, uh, dynamics that, uh, exist and the, and the common phrases that, uh, that I hear. And that if you're the ADHD spouse that you certainly, uh, we'll hear. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Talking tonight on our relationship hour uh, about attention deficit disorder in adults and how this can affect uh, relationships, and it really does. Unfortunately, people who where one person has ADHD have are twice as likely to divorce than uh, couples where there is no ADHD. So just give you a, a case example, and I'd love to hear some of yours at 514-800. So names have been changed to protect, uh, you know, the innocent. Uh, Jill complains that she has to do everything. Every time she leaves Tim in charge at home, she comes home to a house in chaos. Often he forgets to feed the kids lunch, clean up, etc. If she asks him to take care of a few things, many of them don't get done. She says he is completely unreliable. Tim says that he just got busy doing other stuff and besides he was having fun with the kids and they didn't complain about being hungry. How do you think Jill is feeling at that moment? How do you think Tim is feeling? And these are, this is somebody who has two young children. Then she says, Jill will say things like, I feel many times like the mom of three children instead of two. I have to keep his schedule as well as my own and that of the kids. I have to do all the shopping. I have to pay the bills and all the organizational stuff. If I want him to do something, I have to nag repeatedly and he can act like a petulant adolescent when I ask. He's very forgetful and I, ha- I hate having to constantly remind him to take care of important matters as if he were a child. I have lost nearly all respect for him. Do you think this couple is having good sex, by the way? Just a side note here. And I'm, I'm asking this question because this is why they will often show up in my office. Because they're, it's a couple that's not having sex. And so they think their main problem is the lack of sex. But why is there a lack of sex? What is going on? And so when I do the digging as to why, because I my job is to find out what's happening. Like, what is the cause of this? The lack of sex is merely the symptom of something else. And many times this is what I find. Uh, and what ends up happening is, uh, relationships where there's hopelessness, where there's resentment, where there's verbal abuse, where there's chronic conflict, where there's disengagement because of the 
partner doesn't want to hear it anymore uh, and where there's a lack of intimacy. You'll Maybe you've heard yourself say things like this. You're not listening to me or you don't do enough. I do everything around here. Uh, you never do what you say you are going to do. I can't believe you forgot again. You bought what? We can't afford that. You know, the impulsive uh, spending. So those are some of the <laughs> comments, uh, statements that, uh, that are made. One of the issues, one of the things that we work on in therapy when it comes to uh, partners or one has ADD is um, working on some of the communication issues. And here's, because often this is where it leads down, uh, you know, a dark road where they have a lot of problematic conversations. There might be um, a lack of a filter, for example, like blurting things out. The conversations could be all over the place. Uh, sometimes they'll complain that it's not a conversation, it's a monologue, or uh, there's an avoidance of conflict, or there's on the, uh, the other side that they seem to, one person seems to love to argue. There's a lot of uh, defensiveness. There's poor memory of, of what happened, right? And, or, or a, a poor memory of the agreements that have been made in the past or promises made or things like that. So, and I know I've been talking about the partners with non-ADD and how uh, they feel it is, but but people with ADHD can also feel unloved or unappreciated, and they can feel uh, stressed because their partner wants to change them or the perception that their partner wants to uh, change them. So, But they have to understand that they as people are lovable and they are loved, but the symptoms that are being expressed, some of those symptoms are not loved and are not lovable. And if the ADHD person can say to themselves, look, I am responsible for managing my negative symptoms. The non-ADHD person is not the one who is the gatekeeper, who has to teach their ADHD spouse how to do things or compensate for what they uh, can't do. They are not their keeper. They have to find a way to respectfully negotiate how each can contribute, taking into account um, the issues that that are there. Uh, Let's see. I was never tested as a kid, but I'm sure I have ADD. What are the chances that I still have it? So you have about a 60% chance of still having it as an adult. That's what the statistics say. Um, My relationship with ADD is tragic. I finally gave up (laughs) feeding and caring for him, and he got sick and died. Are you serious? Um Okay, I'm not clear what you're saying there. Uh, it is sad because it is not his fault. They have different brains. That is uh, that is quite true, quite true. Sadly, um, the whole the sexuality part is also another area that needs to be looked at. But I, I'm curious to hear from um, some of you if you've experienced any uh, any negative impacts of your AD, ADD or if you've uh, recognized it. So, um, we could talk about that a little bit, although we can only, you know, skim the surface here, of course. Um, so there have been studies done that looked at childhood ADD and the prediction of, uh, like 
is there a relationship to uh, like sexuality, early sexuality, risky sexuality? So apparently, uh, childhood ADD does predict earlier initiation of sexual activity and intercourse, um, more uh, sexual partners, more casual sex, and actually more partner pregnancy. So that's part of a study. Um, <clears throat> people with ADD do tend to have more issues with sex because they have difficulty uh, focusing, like focusing on sensations. Even in sex, you can be uh, distracted. And um, of course, that can you know cause erectile dysfunction and things like that. There's an increased risk of uh, risky sexual behaviors. There's a need for novelty in sexuality. So with people with ADD, they get bored e more easily and so need that novelty. Uh, and the ADD tends to amplify problems. If there are even smaller problems, they seem to, to be um, bigger. But the majority of these the sexual problems are much more associated with uh, relationship difficulties than, uh, than anything else. When it comes to women and ADHD, women who have ADHD may have trouble reaching orgasm because they have a more difficulty... Uh, focusing on on their body and uh, their sensations and uh, can more easily be distracted. There's uh, people can also complain of hypersensitivity. So, which in other words, they may find um, certain things irritating or even painful that maybe an average person does not. So there are sensory issues there, which is a, a crossover also with people who are on the autism spectrum. You see that. Uh, quite often, that many people have difficulty just relaxing enough uh, to get in the mood uh, for sex. So that's a, another another big thing. Then there's people who are uh, seem to be hypersexual. So people with ADHD tend to have ten. So it's not everybody, but they tend to have an unusually high uh, sex drive. So. This is where I end up seeing people who are engaging in more compulsive sexual behavior, like more time spent masturbating, a lot of porn watching, um, a lot of fantasy, fantasizing because of this need for uh, stimulation or out of boredom. People who watch porn and masturbate simply out of uh, boredom. And what that ha why this is and why the, the relationship to more compulsive sex is that with orgasm and with sexual activity, whether solo or with somebody else, it releases endorphins and it reduces that restlessness actually. And in, it tends to induce uh, a feeling of calm. Remember the, the hyperactive brain or the distracted brain feels very, very active very active and so needs to calm down. And this is where um, some of these more addictive kind of things um, end up uh, doing. Unfortunately, it becomes a, a vicious uh, cycle. But the, this, this consumption, let's say, of the porn will then cause relationship problems, which will then cause resentment, which will then cause a, a disconnect, which will then create even more porn watching and more resentment. And you can see the cycle going on and on and on. So clearly there's an impact. I mean, I've only really scratched the surface here tonight and I, I wish I could, uh, I could do more and tell you more, but we can, you know, we can certainly address it at, um, another time. So, uh, I'll have to 
come out with i should have uh, looked at it before before the show but found some of the resources there's some good books i can give you the name of uh, one particular book that i really like and that's called the adhd effect on marriage it's a little red and white book by melissa orlov it's a great book and very very helpful for couples you can look at the organization called panda they uh, deal with uh, with adhd adults and children and they have all kinds of resources and um, and things that you can also get uh, from them. Thank you so much for uh, for listening. Thanks to Chris Aiken, our technical producer. We're off now until uh, the 26th. You can get the full programming at cjd.com, our holiday programming, and you'll know when our shows are on and uh, when other uh, other things take its place. Uh, if you want to connect with me on social media, at Dr. Lori Batito, don't forget you can also uh, listen to the podcast of past shows. If this show interested you and you want to share it with uh, your friends, then feel free to go to drlori.com and you can go to the uh, Passion Radio tab and then the show will, uh, will be there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. I want to wish you all a happy holidays. And uh, remember, certainly remember to live your life with passion.